Number one, I would say there are no rules. There are no rules. People will tell you there are, there are not. There has never been another you and your partner and you two together are unique. So your two personalities coming together are its own thing. Never has been there before, never will be again. Okay, let's do this. This is Jeff. I'm Andre. Are you ready? I'm ready. Love or work. Is anyone listening? No, don't put that on the air. These two people are really, really funny. This one made me cry. World Series champion. Around the entire world. NBA all-star. We hope you love this interview as much as we did. Love or work. Welcome to the Love Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. And we are on an adventure, a journey, an exploration to find out this... <laughs> Answer to this crazy question that we live. Is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? Yes, and we are so glad you're here with us today because today is just, I mean, you started with that adventure kind of thing. And I feel like this a podcast is all about adventure. With um, Today, today's podcast. Today, yeah. yeah, is all about um, adventure with our friends Jason and Danica Russell. They uh, were part of Invisible Children and recently wrote a book and illustrated the book called A Little Radical, The ABCs of Activism. And it's a children's book and it's lovely and beautiful and creative and inspiring. And we have given it to everybody that we know. Literally. And our children love this book. Uh, so look it up, buy yourself a book. Get some copies for other friends. And they have a podcast they're going to launch really soon. We'll see how, when, yeah. it, when, it's, when it comes out, we'll make sure to tell And it's about like, their adventure and it's about their trip that we're going to hear about and talk about on this podcast. Yeah, for the last year, they took an adventure all over the world with their kids. Yeah. Took their kids out of school. Sold everything they had. Sold everything except for their bed. It's important. Apparently that was sacred. You know how much my bed is important to me. <laughs> All right, friends, we hope you enjoy this podcast. Wait, I haven't even told them what to be listening oh, for. gosh, you know, I just jumped right over that. I got three things. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, number one, we hear their entire engagement story in detail, how it happened. Yes, very creative. Very. I mean, those are these are two of the most creative people we know. Yes. And imagine how the engagement happened. It was pretty cool. Number two, I want to say this quote that she said is kind of cool. She says, we wanted to tell our kids, what do you need to know before you hate us? Yes, their son's going into middle school. So we all... <laughs> so that was like the whole pursuit of the adventure they took. Part of it, yes. And number three, what was the hardest part of being on the trip for a year with your kids? Overseas, together, for a whole year. And they're going to fill us in on that question. Yes. We hope you love this interview as much as we did. Here they are, Jason and Danica Russell. So my parents started a children's theater organization. It's like a YMCA, but for musical theater. And I was um, outside where they do the shows, and this uh, little girl walked up with my sister, and my sister said, my younger sister said, we're going to play Gretel together. We're double cast as Gretel in The Sound of Music. And I looked at this blonde girl, and I said, no, you're not. And she looked at me, and she said, "M so... And she whipped her ponytail around and walked away. And I remember thinking... <laughs> that was your intro? That's the first thing that it's I... It's a little, like, great expectations, like, groomed <laughs> to be somehow kind of evil or something. 
But in that moment, I remember very clearly being like, that one. That's the one. And And you were six or seven? I was seven. She was six. And then about a year after that, we had become dance partners. So we danced together um, with an amazing dance teacher um, for from eight to about 15 years old. Mm-hmm. So we'd go to like fair, the Del Mar Fair and different showcases to dance. And Which we were, is why we still have a couple really good like party tricks we'll do yeah. at weddings. Yeah. Like a couple mm. lifts and things that our friends are now like, this will be impressive again when you're like 80 and yeah. still doing it, but we're kind of sick of seeing your, <laughs> your ah. same tricks. <laughs> It's but, always like, is it time to whip out yeah. the lift? I love it. So then you dated all, even when you were teenagers in college? I mean. We were really just best friends growing up. And, oh, um, okay. I mean, we always. Yeah. By, si- always by sixth crushed. grade, we were, we had the best friend necklaces. Mm-hmm. So by sixth oh, grade, it was, like, it heart. was totally yeah. on. Yeah. The heart. Well, the ours was heart. a circle. We were trying to keep yeah. it, you know, ours gender was neutral. From, ours was lyrics from the show Anything Goes about, it's a song called Friendship, about friendship. And oh, um, it's kind of like. You guys are cute. Kind. It's a lot to take in. What were the lyrics? We're two of a kind, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Through thick or thin, night or day, right or wrong. That's mm-hmm. what it said. That's what it said. Oh, wow. That's actually a good quote. Well, at what point did it become more than friends, though? Well, we survived junior high. We have like love letters for days that are like, I love you, I hate you in the same breath. They're the funniest <laughs> things ever. Actually, at our wedding, we had a couple of them blown up because it's it's honestly like one line so will say, I love you. And then one line will be like, I hate you so much. Why don't you go date Jessica or whoever? Yeah. <laughs> Which is so strange to think about because children now won't have the paper trail that we had. You know, yeah, when you pass no. notes through the hallway, you get that rush in your gut. Like, oh, my gosh, what's it going to say? Like, are yes. we still together? Are we in love? Are we breaking up? It's like all this drama. Well, you can screenshot a DM. You can. Is it, <laughs> but is it the same? No, there's know. not two boxes. You just can't. It doesn't have the three, or the yes, no, check maybe. Yes Only no. time will tell yeah, people. Yeah, check yes or no. The, ch- the yes or no box is digitized. But we were very creative in the sense that, like, our letters were insane. Like, we would spend hours coloring them and, like, the fold. We knew, like, a dozen different folds on how to be intricate with, you know, it was it was intense. And um, what the, what he's setting up is that. We ha- we're both creatives, obviously, and we've always been partners in one way or another. I think like that's part of what's exciting about us to each yeah. other is like the the creativity has always been plussed. Yes, for sure, and the the accounting and bills has always been minus. minus. <laughs> <laughs> like we're better at some things, and people also- are like, "Wait, Jason, you pay the bills? You know how to do that?" I'm like barely. <laughs> Barely. We're barely surviving. So it became real, I guess, in high school and high school we dated freshman, freshman year. year. And then I like wrote this letter that was like, I have wings I need to fly. I'm tired of being Jason and Danica. Like I just want to be Danica. I just want to be Madonna. I just want one name from now on. <laughs> one name. So but we were still friends, but we kind of went our own ways. We were definitely still Friends. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I remember thinking in high school, even college and stuff, if there's someone else that I'm supposed to be with or that, you know, I fall more in love with and I want to be open to that, but it, it just never happened. And 
So you have to think like, well, is it because we've known each other for 15 years? That's why I love her because of the intensity and the compounding of all that time? Mm -hmm. Or do I genuinely love her as though I met her for the first time today? And it's a, it's a hard, difficult question to answer, you know, almost impossible, mm -hmm. but. It is though, I always say like, in the amount of time we've known each other, we've been a lot of different people. Like we keep meeting and keep falling in love and keep like, yeah. you know, re-creating mm -hmm. totally. the union. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty like, pretty Christian evangelical back in the day. And now I'm very not. <laughs> Meanwhile, <know? laughs> I was at Arizona State. Yeah. Girls Gone Wild, part one and two. <laughs> I don't think I really was that extreme, but... I love it. I love it. And then after college, we came home, and um, Jason went to Africa. He made a documentary in Africa, and it was the mm. first time we were apart for any, like, long period of time. Like, no communication with each other. Yeah. And... When he came back, it was like, I just missed you so much. And he was really like, while I was there thinking, like, why isn't she with me? And then we got engaged. It seriously was like, I don't think we ever were like dating with intention to like be married or anything. We never talked about marriage at all. Not at all. I never brought it up. We never. The reason was because I had heard other people or friends like going down that path and and talking about marriage and then they would break up and it would be doubly devastating because they had already yeah. imagined their lives together and the kids they were going to have and all of that it wasn't just like boyfriend girlfriend breaking up it was like the future for the rest of my life shattering so i was really fearful of even discussing it which looking back now <laughs> i know is unhealthy <laughs> yeah i was honestly like like maybe okay bring it well up. if he doesn't want to marry me he knows me better than anyone so i'm gonna get on with things like I'm gonna get my career together and I'm like ready to go and then he asked me to marry him and it was like well okay what does this mean we had to like could I mentally had to shift gears like do I have to give up my name do I have to give up my life you know this whole thing but yeah and I don't think men actually even think about what that means for the woman like I I I, I still think about it now and I'm like I was not even sensitive or even acknowledging that you're giving up your name and the idea of submitting to your husband, like those ideas are at play. Even if you believe them or not, they're right. in the culture, you know? Right. So right. what you've been taught yeah. in the Christian so, circle, at least. I'm sure knowing the creativity that you guys have, Jason, was it a crazy creative moment when you asked her to marry you? It had been 17 years leading up to this moment. So I knew I had to go big and yeah, I, I, I can knew it. That, right? I want to hear this. So, so we actually, I consider us really truly falling in love when we were in sixth grade. We were in a show together for like three months and we were paid actors, you know, every night. It was a professional theater. And the story was about childhood friends who grow up and like grow old together and die. It's like this epic story called Johnny Pie and the Fool Killer. And so that was in sixth grade. And so what I did is I had a surprise scavenger hunt. It's kind of like The Bachelor, but she had to follow these flowers around to historic sites for our 
relationship he set around San Diego. He said the scavenger hunt of our like love story. Yeah. So it was like first this coffee shop we would always go to. When like we if we fought. fought, we would go to that coffee shop and like reconcile. But I had the coffee shop playing our songs. Oh, he on- made this like music so. A car would pick me up with one of our friends and like the song would be playing and then they would take me to the coffee shop and I would walk in and like the same song would be playing. And to throw her off, I had totally random people picking her up and dropping her off. Which was also But the song was like synchronized. So she'd leave the coffee shop Mm -hmm. and the song would go from the coffee shop into the car. It would pick up the right moment. Oh my goodness. So she she gets to the old theater that we did our show in. We hadn't been in the theater in like, I don't know, years, 15 years or whatever. So she walks in and I have this screen blown up with dry ice smoke coming through the like oh theater. Oh my god. Dry ice smoke. I don't know if you know the Ben Fold song called The Luckiest, but oh. that's her favorite song. And so I learned that song on the piano and I rewrote the lyrics to reflect our He secretly learned to play the piano. Did he mention that? Yeah, I secretly learned oh how to play goodness. it. I took lessons for like five months to learn the song. So the last step was, like he was saying, that show that we were in there about the best friends who got married. We went to this now. It was now like an old theater that they were like yeah. closing down. But yeah, wow. when I walked in there, he played the song and there's this like slideshow going on of like our lives. And I am seriously just like in shock. Shock. And then he comes over and gets on his knee and we just cried. We cried and we prayed and we But I mean she was really shook for like 5 days. Like when I say shook, I mean physically shaking like pulling <laughs> off the freeway to like breathe and cry because it was <laughs> Remember we hadn't talked about marriage ever. Never, 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 never. Because I thought if I bring it up, it'll get our hopes up and it'll be bad. It'll ruin. It's just going to be done then. So you've been married how many years? This October was 14. Mm-hmm. And you have two kids. You have two we kids. One, yep. two, three, Gavin four. is. They're still trying to figure out how many years they've been married. Six, seven, eight. How old are the kids? <laughs> the kids are um, 11. Gavin's 11 in sixth grade and Everly's in fourth grade. She's nine. Okay. Yeah. So let's fast forward. Because one thing that I really love about you guys that you have recently been doing. So let's talk about like this recent. You have you sold everything in California, all your stuff, and you went on a trip, a very big trip. And you took the kids out of school, right? You just like upended life and did this trip. And I don't know if a lot of people would do that, number one. <laughs> so I'd love to hear the why. For the like, record, we don't know if they would do it again or not. Uh, we're going to well, find yeah, out. Yeah, we're right? going to find out. But I'd love to hear the why. Like, what brought this upon this big change, this big upending of your life? Well, there were a couple reasons that, number one, I want to say, in general, we like to go all in on things. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a personality of ours. But I think um, we both love traveling, and it's been so formative for both of us at different times in our lives. And I think just everything that travel can give you, a lot of people don't get till they're older. And so initially, we were like, "Well, what if we gave our children that worldview 
early on, that zoomed out perspective, how would that affect the grownups they become? Because at least I can just speak for myself as a mom. That's like what I'm constantly trying to think of. Who are the grownups we're creating? Like, what's the point of doing this? Is this a life skill that I'm giving you? Like anything I sign them up for. Also, when they're little, you can still kind of curate their friends and you're kind of training them to leave you. Anyway, I got on a tangent, but um, Gavin, we knew, was going into junior high, so next year. And for me, the joke I keep saying is, what do we need you to know before you hate us? <laughs> <laughs> like, we just have this window where you're still, like, listening to us and valuing what we have to show you without a ton of pushback. So for me, those were my incentives, the just shaping the worldview a little larger and also getting to share it with them. They were old enough to like sleep, eat, poop, whatever, what what we're doing. They can travel, like they can watch a movie on a plane because when Everly was one, we took her to South Africa and it was like a nightmare on the plane. Oh, yeah. And they'll remember it. So yeah. yeah. It's like I I love um reading about people like right before they die like the things that they say. You know, there's like books out mm-hmm. there you can read about what people yeah. w- wish they did and it's always I wish I risked more, I wish I traveled more, I wish I spent more time with my family. It's all these things that you can actually do if you try and I think that people hearing this podcast or people that follow us on Instagram or something they think Oh, they must have so much money to like mm. do this. That's like mm-hmm. the first thing I think people think of is how did they figure that out? And it took three years to figure it out. I mean, it wasn't easy. We didn't come from money. We don't have money. We didn't sell, you know, a startup tech company. We um, sold a lot of books and we got a sponsor for our podcast. Those were the two ways we were able to like make the trip happen. But we knew that no matter what, um, at the end of the trip, we believed that we would never regret taking this trip, that it would be like formative for our family and for uh, for us and, and specifically for our children because it's so, just now having been back, anything that comes up that has to do with our trip, we like light up, you know? Like yeah. we, we heard the, um, the guy from Bohemian Rhapsody, Freddie Mercury is from Zanzibar. And we're like, we went to Zanzibar, you know, like yeah. there's things that like the, the the Christian missionary who just died in the Andaman Islands, like we were right. in the Andaman Islands, we were right there, like near that tribe. And so we were, there's like things like that, that my kids would never get in the classroom. And that's what's been really interesting is people who hear about our trip, the first thing is like, what about the kids? What about their education? What about the class? Like, what about school? And I'm like, we're going around the world. Like, <laughs> there is school. That is school, yeah. you know. But and I we think- did homeschool them and we did do, you know, the, the technical things so that they wouldn't fall behind. But just the amount that they've learned, like, they understand colonization. Mm-hmm. They understand um, the American journey with slavery. They understand um, genocide. Like, there's just things that, like, they have stood on the ground that, they will forever as an adult rem- remember that trip and um no more from personal experience than some adults and the thing is know. for us like we didn't want to pay for storage that's just a, our personal conviction like we didn't want to leave for a year and then be paying for our couch to be in a closet like we didn't want to do that oh yeah so i want to go back just a tiny step because jason was talking about 
<clears throat> how we sold books to help pay. That was one thing he kind of did a drive-by on. But I want to back up even a little bit more to say that for how long were we there? 15, mm -hmm. 12 years, we worked and started the nonprofit Invisible Children. And it was amazing. And it was what we call still our firstborn child. And mm -hmm. um, when we worked ourselves out of a job, amazingly, through the video Coney 2012, by raising the visibility of the organization so high that we decided we don't need the the advocacy arm anymore, that it kind of became more the political and the work on the ground, that we really were going through a transition personally of like, okay, let's write down everything we've learned on the job. Because hmm. after leaving Invisible Children, we started consulting, we make media, for amazing organizations doing great work. We get to tell people what other people are doing and that's been so exciting. But we decided, let's write a children's book. It's always been a dream of mine to write and illustrate children's books. So Jason was like, let's do what we know. Let's just, for our own kids, put it down, have fun like illustrating it. And then Jason was like, well, why limit it to our own kids? Let's just see if we should kickstart it and if anyone else's kids might want it. You know, we'll make something if it wants to be made. And so we kickstarted this book. It's an ABCs of activism. It's about, it's called A Little Radical. And it's just teaching people, kids, again, how to think bigger. Because I think the world is getting smaller. We're all so connected. So if we can teach our kids early on how to think big, it's just, it'll serve them their whole life long. So we wrote that book. And you can get that, you can still get that uh, A Little Radical, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, we uh, got a couple of those books. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> Our kids love this book. It's just, it's it's was really fun to make. And um, we're proud of it. I'm like, even if it just ends up on my grandkids' shelf, I'll be super proud. So then you sold everything. So we that sold everything because we were like, let's put our money where, where our mouth is. Like reading our own book, we're like, if we believe in what we're saying, Let's live it out and show our kids what it means to really give back, to go to all these friends who we know living all around the world doing great work. They often come to us for like rest and recovery and our kids know them, they're invested in their lives, but we're like, what a disservice that they know our friend Rocky and they don't know he works with AIDS orphans in India. Mm. Let's go see him in his home. Mm -hmm. Like, mm. Yeah. you know him, he's a family member of ours we're bonded for life, Jolie and Uganda. Like, mm. even if we just visit some of these friends of ours who live somewhere we don't live, who are, no matter what, our family, let's start there. And then from there, it was like, where else do we want to go? What do we want you to know about the world? Mm. And there, there's endless traveling we can take, right? But for us at this moment, we really wanted it to be like, I'm so sorry you were born in America and you think this is normal. <laughs> like mm. the rest mm. of the world does not live like this. And so even when Jason's saying we don't have money, we don't, we don't, we're not born into money. I mean, I think we all know we, we yeah. still are. Yeah, totally. Like comparatively. Right. Right. In comparison globally. Yeah, exactly. Even the fact that we have stuff that we can sell that would get us anywhere. All right. So logistically, can I ask you a couple follow-up questions with that? Like, you sold everything when you said everything. Like, were you guys down to one bag each? 
I will I will say so we like kept a couple things like like our bed. Yeah. Cuz I was like I want to be able to think if we land not maybe the we mattresses could, just not the mattresses just this the bed wooden frame, <laughs> which was Yeah, we got down to one bag of clothes each and then mm-hmm. um we stashed just a few little things in like my sister's garage or my parents' garage. Right. But like Yeah, some keepsakes or something. The letters that we wrote to each other in junior high, my journals, uh-huh. just a few small things, but like yeah, I mean, we got back and we didn't have cups to drink out of. We yeah. we like, so how did? Yeah, there's some so things funny. about being back that is we like, like, why oh, did we, why get, did we rid get rid of that? Rid of that? <laughs> okay, but we still have to go back to the truck. Yeah, yeah. So you sell everything. You're down to a bag each, basically, roughly. Yeah. And then you take off to see the world with your kids, right? right. So yeah. you go to how many countries? So first we did two months in an airstream across America because we wanted okay. to start here and. One of my son's favorite parts of the whole trip was actually in Welch, West Virginia, which is, so West Virginia is the poorest state in the union, and Welch is the poorest city inside the poorest state. So we're talking about extreme poverty in America, and to see it firsthand and to actually like go there and meet the people who are surviving in this coal mine town that's been abandoned was Something we'll never so forget. We, yeah, for we, all of us. Like, we went into, we snug into this coal mine that had been abandoned, and we were in there for like three or four hours, just like looking through drawers and paperwork and going up the scaffolding. It was like when you think of the coal mining industry, like now we have a very physical place with like people we've met and interviewed there. So that was really important to us to have a face to our own like country and our own struggles. Um, and to visit the like uh, Western office or side of the work that we were then going international to see the other side. Yeah, so it's like there's this awesome museum in Memphis that like everybody in the world should go to about the civil rights movement. It starts with slavery and it moves all the way through up to like Obama. It and was beyond. at it's at the hotel where Martin Luther King was assassinated. Sh- yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, like taking that history and then going international with it Mm -hmm. was so powerful, I think. And so, how many countries internationally then? So we did twelve because we wanted to stay in the countries for at least two weeks or more. We didn't want to do a drive-by. So yeah, initially it was so much bigger, but then we, you're like, well, we want the option to get to a place and have people say, oh, you have to go here. It takes a day to get there and not feel so stressed about getting to the next thing. Because it's like, well, did we really experience being here? Yeah. So we, we also tried yeah. to do local and then a little tourist. Yeah. A little bit of mixed. Like give yourself some breaks. And yeah. Then. To process. Tell us what the hardest part is of traveling with kids. One thing would be um, well, uh, here, sickness because yeah. you just, you're so scared. <laughs> Because you're honestly just like, what is this? It yeah. could be anything. And obviously, if WebMD is telling us we have malaria when we're in America, then imagine when you have just a regular cold in India, you're like, they're dying of yellow fever. Like, Right, yeah. So your Google Google searches are not helpful. Yeah, I mean, we, we were literally living in a pretty small house, like a kind of one-bedroom house with 15 HIV-AIDS orphans. 
So my friend has been taking care of them, basically become their father for the past 10 years. So they started out, you know, six-year-olds and now they're 16 and beyond. But like we slept in, you know, the same room and cooked and everything was just very intimate in a village that's like less than dollar a day poverty. So it was like, Mm -hmm. there's no escaping that. And I think both of our kids got sick during that time, like pretty sick, 104 degree temperature, kind of like what what's happening to their bodies. And that was really scary. And you feel as parents, obviously responsible for it, but you just don't know what they're sick from. Yeah. And the like nearest hospital that was actually decent was far away. It wasn't close. Yeah. So that that was probably that was definitely the hardest Although part we of the were whole trip. Very impressed with healthcare. Yes, in India. India has really great healthcare. <laughs> it's all free and they're all amazing. They I'm come serious. people come there to study and we, it's free. Yeah, we went to probably eight different hospitals. They're a hundred percent free. Yeah, we can do a whole blog. You about go to like eye hospitals. specialists, ear specialists, <laughs> like and, and there's just not even like a cash register at all. They're just like yeah. here's your medication and you're like, wait, what do we owe you? They're like, no, just take it. And I'm like, what? So that was heavy. Another one that was really hard is food, especially yeah. when you're staying locally with friends in villages like he's talking about is, I mean, our kids are pretty great. At, we were always like, we're not going to make them special meals. Like they eat what we eat. If it's fancy, they have to have it. If it's strange, they're going to have it. Like I'm not making them nuggets if we're having like tikka masala. <laughs> So right. our kids, well, they've always been exposed to food. That, yeah. That doesn't mean, I mean, kids just have, it's, Indian food is so spicy. Yeah, it's, right. and it's, it's, that it's so kids, hard. But or it's, just like something. There's some adults that won't, you know, eat things that are different. Totally. Too. Yeah. So yeah. like that was hard sometimes. Like eggs, we just were like, you had to learn on the job in that way. Like find some kind of noodle, find some kind of egg. There's always a right. version of a tortilla. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So were you guys, all, I mean, this is like the guy question, but like if you, were you always in a one bedroom scenario? Oh, How did that Lord, affect Jeff. the two of you? Because a year long. It's like, a great question. Is it? Like, Jeff. I mean, let's be honest for I a I mean, second. when people ask about it, I have to, I, like, I always say, imagine, imagine you're never not with your family. Yeah for six months like no joke same all bed together like you're all saying. together well we were all, in the er- same bed and the initially whole people time. like that's amazing you guys just spending time with your family i'm like no. i know totally but imagine never alone <laughs> ever jason would go like to convert money and it would be like an hour and i'm like where are you and he's like i needed to like get, get some just time. go for and a i was walk. like yeah. uh-huh so do i <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, take your time. You got to. I know. But you are, you, yeah. And actually, like, coming back, that was a hard thing, too, because we were, like, so used to all the togetherness. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, how has it been? I mean, how has it, like, reintegrating back? I mean, you had this whirlwind trip, and in some ways, it was probably, like, amazing. Other ways, it's super hard. But you're experiencing new things every day, right? Then all of a sudden, you come back to San Diego or wherever you are outside of, uh, outside of San Diego. And then all of a sudden we're going to stay in one place and we're going to do normal life again. How has it been being back? Initially, like when we first got back, it was very, very hard. 
it was really difficult. I mean, we had, you know, basically run out of money, no job lined up, yeah. no place to live, and no we owe nothing. Like, so we were just like, We what? look terrible on paper because we've been gone for I mean, a year, not paid bills, not, we don't belong. Yeah. Yeah. And we just mentally didn't belong. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. it was super intense. Like it was it was kind of like a shock to the system. Yeah. I think that it, I think anything that that extreme like it's going to take time to reintegrate as well and that's okay, right? Yeah. yeah well, we um to go back to your last question too is like another thing we always joke about is like at our worst we're we're still best friends. Like when Jason and I go into our base level operating mode, we're still just like great companions and best friends. And so I think being together all the time, we still totally enjoy each other. And we had to work to try and sneak away to have like romantic loving moments. Where when did we, we do that? Well, ah! do you want me to mention? <laughs> got no memory. Okay, of that. they were quick. None. <laughs> <laughs> Or just like, with, like, you know, with the kids, yeah, you know, occupied. Anyway. Um, and then I was going to say, we, so we cut our trip a little bit short because Jason's um, best friend was getting married and asked us to officiate, which was like, so, I, such an honor. And it was so fun, but he's like a direct, a Hollywood director and we flew into this like, bougie yeah. wedding and Hollywood. so that yeah. actually was really wow. like we were just laughing about it because i i didn't have i mean what are you gonna wear to something like that you've been like traveling in like dirty t-shirts so we went to the mall and i seriously like i know it's like jet lag and it's all the things but like you had your breakdown oh my gosh she i was just yeah. bawling in the middle of the mall like we just got rid of everything because we don't want things. And now I'm sitting here. I have to buy like a really expensive dress. I'm like, it's all so effed up. Like, look at this mall. Like, I'm just crying. Like, what's wrong with our culture and this whole thing? But I mean. Oh, yes. But I also was crying in the Airstream. Like, why are we simulating this homelessness? Like, I don't mm. want to live in this can. I don't want to <laughs> camp. I'm not that person. Like when you talk about people who like I'm with you, Dan. I'm I'm the same exact way. It's a podcast, so people can't see us, but I am not earthy. Okay. I do not believe in natural beauty. I don't believe in anything like that. Okay. I I do believe in doing good. How did you travel for that long like this? Because I do I love learning and I love like humans. Yeah, that trumped it. Jason has made me a better woman. Danica, what's the, I keep asking you, this, she has a strength that's one of her top strengths and it's about finding the uniqueness and like special weird things that are in the world and enjoying them. Is it individualization? Individualization. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she sees like a woman who has a very, very long braided ponytail and she gets so excited. She wants to touch it. <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> so when you have that personality that enjoys the quirkiness and strangeness of like life and culture and everything, then I think every day Danica's very much alive because she's like, look at this fruit. It's so weird, you know, and it, whatever it might be, that makes her 
become more yeah entertained so that is and... part of the hard thing about coming back yeah is also uh. like <laughs> can you bring the like fascination with like we found a starbucks <laughs> right <laughs> or whatever you, you know whatever like, it what? is where you're just like every day is amazing like if if you just woke up and found a cool place to have breakfast that is challenging it is also like a, an experience. Mm -hmm. So coming home, like one of the things that challenged me, I was like, I can't care. Like being a mom, there's a lot of things you have to care about that you just aren't zoomed out big picture things. You There are daily minutia things that I'm yeah. like, I can't care about the class party where I used to like put it at number one and so that is a positive and a negative thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, caring about the world at large and also caring about your child's world that you're curating. So now is all this is I'm guessing knowing the two of you that your adventure was documented like a lot. Is that fair to say? Very much. Is this are, is this going to be shared like in a documentary someday? Yeah, I mean, or is my, it special for your family? Well, it's, it, we're still navigating what it might look like, but we definitely have the footage. We did interviews and tons of footage and audio and photos. We had a guy actually come with us named Nathan, who was with us the entire time as well. So I oh. knew if we were going to do it, I wanted to have like a team member to like help. Otherwise, I would just be filmmaking and not be able to there. be with my family. So yeah. um, we're definitely making a podcast coming out this year, and we would love to, Gavin really wants to make a documentary or a YouTube series kind of showing each country and what we learned and discovered. Eventually, we want to take the lessons in the book and create curriculum around each of the lessons. So teaching kids how to listen and really listen or what giving means beyond money or what a boycott can do to change history. So mm -hmm. there's like things that we baked into the book that we feel like we could continue to unpack and have it be relevant, yeah. not just for elementary school kids, but even like university students. Um, so that's like a dream that we have that for now, it was just about getting on the trip, documenting it and then getting back. And so now we're in the phase of like, okay, let's start creating this. Yeah, and I think we mentioned we we mostly went to, we went to a lot of... Um, developing. Developing. I'm like, you don't say third world anymore. No, you don't. You developing countries. Developing yeah. countries. And um, there's there was a lot of no internet. And so for <laughs> There was us, a lot of no internet. Uh -huh, <laughs> a lot of that. I think there was, yeah. I mean, even we were... Scheduled for an interview with y'all, and, and it was like, like this isn't it's not there. It's There's just, just not no there. Internet. And I didn't believe it because for some reason in northern Uganda, which depends on where you are, it can be remote, but you can still find internet. You can, yeah. it's still there. You buy the airtime yeah. or whatever. But we were in places where it's just literally not there, which is still like thirty percent of the world or something has zero yeah. internet. And so we were kind of we were of like wanting to share as we go, but now we were like, you know what? That wasn't what happened for us. We were actually just there, living it, learning it, doing it. And now we've been kind of delay sharing, which is confusing because people keep being like, oh, you're back. 
And we're like, yeah, yeah, we're back. But what we're doing now is kind of like getting silverware. <laughs> so well, do you want to watch that? But we yeah, also exactly. have had the space to process the stories that yeah. we're right. sharing. The and so that's time, been really uh, unique. Yeah. So if you, whatever you do next, there's going to be four, four creative opinions. Have you guys, how, how will you deal with that? As a family, you should um, come with us to a movie sometimes because when we leave the theater and get in the car, like all four of us are like, okay, here's what I didn't like about it. You know, like no matter what the movie is, we're like, okay, here's what was good about it, here's what worked, and here's what they could have done better. And I I realized that that was the family that I was raised in, being um, the son of a theater director. You know, we'd always critique, which I think critiquing is great. That's the only way to get to excellence. Um, but you don't have to be a cynical critic. You can be a positive yeah. critic and you could be like, how, how can we make this better? Because almost everything in life can be made better. We can always do something a little bit better. So being open to the critique is really important. And I think that obviously just through the examples of us two, both of our kids can, are yeah, able I mean, to articulate what they do in. and don't like about something. And I, I really value that they have that ability to say, mm, I didn't really feel that song because it's a little bit too cringy, you know? And you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But it, it is our life work to come into organizations to help them spot what's wrong, come up with solutions, rebrand or retell the story right. and tell it well. And so we actually just had a conversation like two nights ago where we were like, you know, as parents, we really have to put that aside because we want mm-hmm. our children to feel loved no matter what. Safe. We want them to feel safe to take those risks and not critiqued. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not our job to do that. Mm-hmm. As parents, we want them always to just keep putting things up and we're just going to be like, yes. Yeah. Instead yeah. of like, well, maybe if you like rounded the edges or whatever, which yeah. is our tendency. Right. Right. Yeah, there's like two major things as a parent. Um, one is one that uh, Jed Jed taught me, and, and he's not a parent, but just that him and his two other friends, they all have always felt worthy. Always. They never didn't, they, they never walked into a room and never felt like they didn't belong or shouldn't belong. They've always felt like, no, I'm worthy of this journey, I'm worthy of my story and, and my talent, whatever. Because of their and parents. it's not out of yeah. And it's not out of arrogance. It's just out of like, no, I I don't feel lacking, which is very rare. I think most humans feel less than and they're trying to prove themselves or try to get the love or they feel like an imposter in a party or in a business setting. And then the second one is imposter. 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 <laughs> I'm such a critic. Don't get off track. Look Don't get off track. You're second And the second one is when they surveyed like all these successful people. I have no idea where this study came from, so I'd have to Google it. But they found the through line in like healthy people who had success was that the one question was, um, do you respect your parents? And if it was yes, then they they happened to be more healthy in their success. And if they didn't respect their parents, there was a disconnect or some kind of unhealth. And so I felt that 
I think that's major with like our own kids because we have to keep rechecking like, do we have their respect? Because they see us in our (laughs) darkest times. They see us when we're not, you know, you know, on a podcast. So you know what I mean? They just see the ugly and you have to, I always question like, do they actually respect who I am? Hmm. Yeah. I like even just the question, are we respectable? Yeah. Like where the ownership, I think sometimes when you say like, I don't know, maybe for me, negative connotations of like respect your parents right like the beat down right um of but i think am i respectable it's like that earning that respect right like just through who you are and your actions and do do they look up to you do they respect that part of you versus the other way yeah we're demanding respect yeah totally but um are and we it, worthy yeah. of their I also think that... Mo- yes, exactly. Do you guys struggle with the the blurry line between, yes, we're their parents and, like, they're the kids and therefore there is an authority and therefore there is this, you know, bridge between a parent and a child. And then there's the tension as they grow up of, like, well, no, we're friends. Like, we're hanging out. Right. We're talking. Yeah. We're homies. Everything's cool. You know, and yeah. that, that can be such a blurry line. And people are yeah. like, well, you have to be one or the other. And I don't know how to navigate that. Yeah. I think especially in that in those teen years that you're about to get into, right? Like yeah. that's even harder because they're trying to be more adults and you're trying to be friends. Like, you know, like yeah. hey, still like me. Yeah. I'll be your friend. That's right. Uh, yeah, you yeah. wanna be able to I mean, both of our parents have done such a great job at, like, remaining in our world and making it easy for us to enjoy them as adults. But um, my mom, I mean, my mom is amazing in a lot of things. But one thing was she was always our friend. And I was always like, I have enough friends. Bye. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that is the tension. Like, we're not their friends. Yeah. Mm, you know, yeah. or at least that's how I feel. I'm mm. like, you're going to like me. You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> one day. One day you'll I'm like your me. mom, so. Right. <laughs> I'm curious, like, y- the two of you have led, I would say, a very courageous life. You have, like, done non-traditional things in life that some people probably told you all along the way, you guys are crazy. What are you doing? You're selling all your stuff. You're going to Uganda. You're... Right. Like every like if you looked at the track of your lives, it was I think I would say it's courageous. Some people may have said it was crazy. I'm curious, like if you were to sit down with a 22 year old or, you know, young 20 couple that's beginning a new marriage and you were to give them advice about the adventure they could live as a couple, as a family, what would you tell them? Number one, I would say there are no rules. There are no rules. People will tell you there are, there are not. There has never been another you and your partner. And you two together are unique. So your two personalities coming together are its own thing. Never has been there before, never will be again. You will know it when it's right. And so to me, like when I freaked out about what does it mean to be a wife and what does he want me to be now? And he was like, no, no, no. Hi, it's still me. We're marrying each other. It's the same as it's always been, but like forever. And it's like, oh, okay, let's go. And the same mm-hmm. thing with having, like, 
after people get married, sometimes they like disappear. They go into their house and, and you're like, they're starting a new thing. But we were always like, we've been us for as long as we can remember. So even having friends be with us never felt exclusionary, if that makes sense. And having kids was an extension of that. We were like, yes, we want kids. Like we both, we were summer camp counselors for way too long. We we still are. Our, our mom and dad friends joke with us like, oh, here, go, here comes the camp counselors because we're always like leading the class games or at birthday parties, like doing things. That's who we are. And so um, our kids are an extension of that. I do think we have had... It's easy to slip into traditional roles, and I think there's so much beauty in the tradition, but also we both intentionally shake things up. Yeah. We pursue, like, that was part of this trip. Like, I think we were both like, okay, house, dog, furniture, like, is this us? Like, is this really what we want? Let's just shake it up and check. And the same is like with our job, like we've been doing the same thing. Let's shake it up and check. And, and that's the thing is like you, it's so easy to fall in those like should be's, those should be holes. And there is no such thing. Cause even when you're like building a perfectly constructed life, it can fall apart. Mm -hmm. So. And it, and it, and it will at some point, not maybe completely but something will happen unexpectedly it's happened to every family every individual the thing that i'm learning now and i i just got back from iraq last month i was there for a couple of weeks shooting a documentary for the organization preemptive love and jessica mm -hmm. and jeremy courtney they've been there for over 10 years now living in iraq with their two children raising a family in the number one war war zone in the world and you know, ISIS is a few hours away from them um, a few years ago. And their whole philosophy is so powerful to me because it's in action. They're not just talking about what they believe. They're like implementing it with, with their bodies. And their thing is, and it has always been, I think, since they got married, was let's move towards things that scare us, mm. which is the opposite of what culture and like your friends and family tell you, like every, the whole culture is be more safe, like put a camera outside your door so that even at work you can spy on your house. And you know what I mean? Like all these things are about keeping us more and more safe where they're like, let's take small steps towards things that scare us. And what I didn't realize was that Jessica Courtney, since she was in junior high, is like paralyzed with fear. She really suffers with massive anxiety and fear and she's literally marching into Mosul, like giving jobs to people in a, in a conflict zone. And I'm like watching her going, wow. And she goes, I didn't get here overnight. I took small baby steps, small decisions, small ways to get us into this place and new doors open in my life. She's like, I'm telling you, I'm at the summit. Like I'm literally at a summit of a mountain and I want more people to join us because it's so beautiful mm -hmm. up here. And so for me, I, when you say like courageous or like, that kind of life, I, I think we've lived in an adventure and I think we push towards things that excite us and inspire us. Um, but now I'm like, well, what actually scares us now well, and what would that look like? We are privileged in the way that I think because 
Well, you're really like, you're more not, but I don't know where, the, what the origin is, but we know a lot of people who are unconventional and exceptional in the way that they see a problem, they, they fix it. You just go for the thing. You know, you have a role in making better. Um, and that's something I hope our kids inherit. I mean, by the way, we definitely are crazy. We're like yeah. certifiably crazy. If you'll yeah. rem- you want to Google medication. us, go ahead and Google us. <laughs> so like when people say Secrets we're crazy, out. we're like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And? Thank you. But a couple more things is that, you know, we we brand other organizations and companies for a living. And so we like know marketing pretty well or storytelling, which is this, it's the same thing marketing, branding, storytelling. And the number one rule is whatever you think, think the opposite. That's the number one rule of marketing. Or as Steve Jobs put it, think different. So not that I'm like intentionally branding myself or our family or our lifestyle, but if we were, then we would be living a life that's different. And 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 yeah. for us, that's exciting and more interesting and what we want to do. Yeah. So well, I think yeah. if you want to get, I don't know if this is a family friendly podcast. So much. Well, you're fine. Go ahead. <laughs> if you want to game junk done, you have to be able to break the mold and get out and, and do it. So yeah. that's been our experience in our own lives and with people who we know who are doing extraordinary things. You, you have to keep, challenging the normal yeah. that, that's the other thing i was going to say is it's like when it's that marriage advice like don't live with a person who you think you can live with marry the person who you know you can't live without and i think the same thing's true with our trip like we couldn't like still feel that way we couldn't live i i couldn't be you know 50 years old having my kids go to college and not having done this trip with them like for me that would have been I would have been devastated to have not that happen. So we were united in doing whatever it took to make this trip happen. And when you get in that kind of mindset and you get focused, it it, it can happen. And it was hard. It wasn't easy. It probably looks easy like on social media, but it was gnarly. And the podcast that we're going to send out will reveal like all these difficult things we went through it's very well i can't wait to hear like the future of this for sure and what's coming out from you two because you're so creative and so inspiring so we love you guys our final question final question is it possible to change the world stay in love and raise a healthy family and we want each of you to answer this individually stay in love and raise a healthy family those are the three slices of the Lord, pie. Lord, <laughs> isn't it? It has to be. I will say, like, um, so Gary Hagen was one example of a person we met where we were like, he is who he says he is. He has very healthy parameters mm-hmm. around when to stop and be with his family because that was something we had to deal with. Nothing ever wins against genocide. Nothing. And if you have to go to your parent-teacher conference and you're saying they need me at work, nothing's going to win. So you set up these parameters. That are non-negotiables. Number three about him is his kids love him. Mm -hmm. 
And sadly, in this space, there's not a lot of people whose kids know them and love them. And so that was one thing right away. They were, like, so supportive of his work and, like, who he is. And um, we were both, like, let's do that. So that became a number one, is, like, you decided to have children. So it is your job to... This is your ultimate creative project. I mean, yeah. you can hire someone to raise your children or you can pour into them and make it a job that you do. But I think we all only have so much bandwidth and that's the truth. And so to me, it's like learning what you can let go of because if you're changing the world, having a healthy marriage and being a great parent your house is probably a mess. <laughs> or you're not, you know, there's something else you're not doing well. You're fat. <laughs> oh you're God. doing something terribly. Like, you cannot yeah, do those exactly. things and be a healthy human. You can't do all three of those things well all the time. Jason, what about Jason, you? Jason, your turn. Yeah, I think that as a culture, we are constantly looking for the quick fix, like the thing that's going to now, you know, solve our lives, whether it's this like, you know, lesson of touch the thing that you want, does it bring you joy and like tidy up your house? Ugh, like that's a, that's her. a big movement that's happening. But there's, there's a bunch of uh, uh, books and people out there saying, here's what it is that's going to make all of it work for you. And that's just an illusion. That's a fantasy. That's, I don't think that's true. I think it's very, um, it's a dance, you know, it's this dance of like being in union with the ones you love and having them say, Hey, like you have been working till like two in the morning, like three nights in a row. Like I thought we weren't going to do that as much anymore. And it's mm -hmm. like, Oh, like, Oh yeah, that's right. That that's not a healthy habit. And then just because I think like, once you, you think you have it all solved or you have your life together, like you don't. You have to remain in check with all the things that keep you more healthy. And I think that also when you deconstruct like what changing the world means, I think that our culture and me specifically are addicted to the idolatry of magnitude. So we literally think that if we haven't like changed the world, then we're failing or we haven't like made the impact that all these other big people or names or companies have done. And like what we've witnessed on the trip is that Rocky loves his 15 children very beautifully and very personally. And he like cares for them individually and he has changed their lives and that will change the world in that microcosm. Who knows what's going to happen? Mm, yeah. But I think to get away from the paralysis of like, I have to do something so big and epic or I didn't change the world. Mm -hmm. Most of us aren't gonna do that and that's okay. To do what we've done anonymously, maybe your name is not known, but maybe you've done some extraordinary things with 15 people, just 15 in your whole life. Mm -hmm. How cool is that? Like to me, that's becoming more and more attractive when I think about what it looks like. Cause I think a lot of people who change the world can get to their end of their life and actually not have close relationships. Cause they were so busy mm, like yeah. winning the awards and getting the accolades and 
yeah. you know, building the empire, you know. And mm. so right. I think that that's an illusion too. But it is a cliche, but it is a real one, is how it takes a village. Like it really does take your tribe to make those things possible because, yeah, world change, obviously you can't do alone. You get your smart, talented people all around you all over the place. Um, with your children, you have each other, but you also probably need more help than that. I have my like sister wife mom friends who were like, you got them today and I got them tomorrow. And, and both our moms, so whoever's like helping free you mm. up to do your work. And then as far as your marriage, like I think this, the two of you have to commit to like putting it, still putting it on the schedule and putting it on the map because I think so often, at least for us, we take for granted that like we're both not dependents, you know, so that that's the loudest and then the work is so loud and necessary, but you have to just be like, this is a priority, just like self-care, taking time off, taking time to just enjoy each other. And especially for us who like we work together too, like, you know, a lot of togetherness. To <laughs> <laughs> but it's a lot of togetherness that if we don't have a date night, in a month or two, it it shows, I mm -hmm. think, you know. Yeah. The intentionality still has to be there, even when you're just physically always in the same room. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you go to dinner and you haven't done that in like two months or something. And you're like, oh, I see. Face oh, there you are. Yeah, we've yeah. talked, but we haven't really talked. Uh, yeah, I yeah. like you. Yeah. I actually don't just love you. I like you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And oh, my gosh, you look nice. <laughs> you look nice. <laughs> when you shower. Well, just kidding. <laughs> Uh, thanks you guys. Thank you so much. I, um, listen, I want you guys to know this, like on a personal level, we 100% respect the two of you. We love the decisions you make. We love how you do life with your kids. I mean, as a, like a fan of people that like, I mean, truthfully, like we've been watching your journey, even though we're in Atlanta for like, how long has it been? 15 years or so, whatever, since Invisible Children started and um, whatever you create next, we will be behind you. Always. We're with you. We're behind you. Always. Always. And now it's time for the breakdown. Let's do it. What'd you think? Me? I thought you were ready. Let's I'm hear ready. It. I want to hear your, you got, you are ready. Let's go. I'm so ready. Break it down. Oh, I love, uh, well, first of all, you, you definitely could feel their sense of adventure and their sense of, you know, when when we look back on life, we just don't want to have any regrets. We don't want to miss something. We want them to have this perspective. And, but I love how they said about just moving towards the things that scare us. Mm. And I think that's a, you know, you could break it down. Like maybe you don't have to do this international world trip for a whole year but you could move towards the one small thing that might scare you and take that step in that direction. And that could be the next great adventure, you know? Yeah, that was, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, but I think that's something I'll never forget from this interview. Yeah, really I, it, it's literally on replay in my mind, on replay. So Jason very kind of alluded to this quote that I, I, I like want to write it down and remind myself of, 
We are addicted to the idolatry of magnitude. Yes. That wasn't about like parenting, but it was about the adventure of life. And I was like, wow, that was a really powerful thought. But not even the adventure of life. I mean, the, uh, you know, when we talk about changing the world, right? What is, what does that mean? We've never fully defined it because we think it can mean anything um, to different people. But I love what they were saying about just, it doesn't have to be big, huge, grand. It can matter if those 15 kids that that man is taking care of in India. Yeah. What else you got? Well, the other thing was that I love how if you're starting out and when they talked about that, just there are no rules. Mm. You get to make the, you get to make the rules. You get to make the adventure. You get to make it work how you want it to work for you. There's no other person that is uh, similar. You are the only you. You and your partner are the only connection that will ever be or that will ever has been. And so you get to make that. Yeah. I love that. She also said you two are together are unique, which is a really cool thing. Because I think a lot of times we talk about individuals are unique, that they're special, that there's only one of you. But actually when that the connection two of you, too. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a really beautiful thought on marriage, I thought. Um, I have one other thing. She alluded to um, the loudness of the loudness of all the people in our lives or the work in our lives. Or she used this word loudness hmm. and or, or loudest. Um, and that sometimes, especially in this tension of work, family, uh, marriage, friends, is a, the tensions continue to overlap, that the loudest thing oftentimes wins, but that might not be the greatest priority. Yeah, and that might not be the most important. Yeah. Well, this is really great. I've I enjoyed today. I've learned so much, and I feel like they're our spirit couple in terms of... I just wish they lived in Atlanta. They didn't take the um, Airstream to Atlanta. I actually texted him about that, and he's like, yeah, we're not going there. Well, that's fine because we're going to go there. Oh, let's do it. California, here we come. So check out their website, The Little Radicals, and uh, follow them on Instagram. They're awesome people. And buy that book. Yes. Your kids, I promise you, will love it. It's another episode of Love or Work. We will see you next week. Thanks. This episode was produced by DJ Obdiggy for Soul Graffiti Productions.